Anne Sheridan has plenty of oomph, does her own singing, is voted best dressed, fights Warner Brothers for better roles, and moves to Mexico. It's my introduction to our June star of the month, Anne Sheridan. I'm Shannon. Thank you for listening to the Vanguard of Hollywood podcast. Anne Sheridan may not be a household name today, but throughout her career, particularly during her heyday in the 1940s, Anne was one of the most beautiful and glamorous stars of the silver screen. Known for her spunk, humor, and down-to-earth kindness, Anne was just as beloved off-screen as she was in her films. Anne was actually one of the first classic Hollywood stars whose name and face I became familiar with. I distinctly remember the first time I saw her sultry eyes and glamorous look in the George Harrell photos that would lead to Anne being coined the oomph girl. Even though I was immediately drawn to her unique look, Anne Sheridan never became one of my favorite stars as a nine-year-old classic Hollywood fan. None of her movies were available to me, I couldn't find a single book written by or about her, and Carta, yes, these were the young days of the internet, sadly didn't even have a page for her. So I had to be content with the beautiful images of Anne Sheridan and John Cobalt's movie star portraits of the 40s book that my dad got for me. Even today, with all the resources we have at our fingertips, there hasn't been a whole lot written about Anne. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have the chance to share all about Anne as we celebrate her this month. This gorgeous, talented, spunky, witty, down-to-earth woman deserves to be remembered. Here are a few things about Anne Sheridan you didn't know. First, she's from Texas. Clara Lou Sheridan was born in Denton, Texas on February 21, 1915. The youngest of five siblings, Anne was a spunky gal right from the start, full of life and unquestionably a tomboy. She was kind and well-liked, but the other kids knew, don't mess with her. A childhood friend would recount that, quote, if Clara Lou punched you, she'd break your arm, unquote. As a young woman, Clara Lou studied to be a teacher at North Texas State Teachers College, though she'd later say that a teaching career was never her great ambition. Dramatics classes at North Texas State would be Clara Lou's first taste of acting, which she loved, but didn't consider a career option. While Clara Lou was a student at North Texas State, her sister Kitty entered her in Paramount Pictures' Search for Beauty contest, one of the many beauty contests that were fairly common publicity gimmicks employed by Hollywood Studios at the time. Clara Lou had no idea that Kitty submitted her photo, so when she was chosen as one of the 30 finalists to come to Hollywood for a screen test, it all came as a big surprise. Anne would later say that, quote, it was mythical to me. I almost fainted." Unquote. Clara Lou went to Hollywood in 1933, did the screen test, received a very brief appearance in her first film, and was one of six from the group of 30 finalists that Paramount signed to a contract. It was officially the start of Clara Lou's career in Hollywood, but it would be a slow climb to the top. Though Clara Lou was grateful for the financial stability her contract with Paramount provided, 
she didn't become a movie star overnight. In fact, it would be five years from the day she signed her Paramount contract before Clara Lou would have her first role in an A picture, opposite James Cagney in Angels with Dirty Faces from 1938. In the meantime, Clara Lou Sheridan became Anne Sheridan after the brass at Paramount informed her that Clara Lou just wouldn't do. As Anne herself said, quote, They called me into the front office and told me that Clara Lou Sheridan was too long for the marquee. I chose Lou at first, and they said no, that wouldn't do. It sounded too much like a boy's name. Unquote. So Clara Lou took inspiration from the name of the character she was currently playing in The Milky Way, a stock company production on the Paramount lot, and officially became Anne Sheridan. Anne would also do doubling in these early years of her career. So look closely at Paramount films from the early and mid-1930s. If you watch a scene of an actress's hands or legs, supposedly belonging to the star of the film, it may actually be Anne Sheridan you're looking at. As Anne would later recount, quote, I did everything, dubbed hands, legs, everything except make movies. I used to go to Grauman's Chinese or Pantages and sit there waiting to see my faceless body on the screen, unquote. Anne would credit the film work she did get at this time to her horseback riding abilities. She'd learned as a girl growing up in Texas, and the skill made her a shoe-in for any film where a female equestrian was needed. Another interesting Anne Sheridan fact is that early in her career, she was told to quit Hollywood. Anne Sheridan was literally told to go home by Paramount's drama coach. But remember how Anne was super spunky? Well, the coach's negativity only strengthened Anne's desire to make it in Hollywood. As she'd say in 1965, quote, The coach advised me to go back to Texas and forget the whole thing. And of course, that was the wrong thing to say. If she told me to try harder, I may have gone back. But the minute she said to go back, that gave me the incentive to prove to her that I was serious about my career." Unquote. Anne's increased motivation would be greatly needed, for in 1935, Paramount didn't renew her contract, and she'd freelance for a year and a half. The only film Anne would make between her break with Paramount and eventual signing with Warner Brothers was Fighting for Youth in 1935. And the $375 she made for that film was all she'd have to live on from early 1935 until August of 1936. Through that drought-ridden period, as Anne would later refer to it, she wisely refused to do extra work, believing that doing so would make it near impossible for her to ever be taken seriously for lead roles. It was a smart move, and she signed with Warner Brothers in 1936. Now here's something about Anne that you probably do already know. She was the oomph girl. Anne would joke that she must have appeared in just about every B picture on the Warner lot mostly in roles that required nothing more of her than to look pretty and move the storyline along. Anne later humorously summarized how elementary and similar all her lines in her early Warner Brothers films were. Quote, Oh, that man is evil. They went that way. This is what I always played. Just reactions. These were just feminine leads and I was stuck into them. Unquote. But Warner Brothers finally realized that they had something special in Anne Sheridan after George Harrell took some now-classic portraits, which showed Anne's great beauty and natural glamour. Warner Brothers decided to start promoting Anne, in whom they saw shades of Jean Harlow's earthy sensuality, 
and cooked up a publicity campaign that would stick with her for the rest of her career. In March of 1939, the studio put together a panel of judges consisting of quote-unquote beauty experts, most of them Warner Brothers employees. David Niven was among those chosen, so I assume they used the term beauty expert loosely. The panel was then asked to vote on the most glamorous woman from a group of about a dozen actresses, which included Anne, Carol Lombard, and Hedy Lamarr. The winner, whoever had the most oomph, would earn the title of the oomph girl. What a compliment! The whole thing was rigged for Anne to win, so she officially became the oomph girl. Jack Warner was convinced that the publicity campaign would be short-lived, that Anne's popularity would be, quote, dead in six months, unquote. But he was wrong. The title stuck and Anne's popularity continued to grow. Anne and Oomph became so popular that Warner Brothers publicist Bob Taplinger copyrighted the word. Anne's Oomph was insured for $100,000 by the Nevin Seymour Company, and Oomph products started popping up everywhere, including cigarettes and even cars. To her last days, Anne would swear she didn't know what all the fuss was about, joking that, quote, Oomph is the sound a fat man makes when he bends over to tie his shoelace in a phone booth, unquote. She'd even tell the makeup department before filming whatever her current assignment was to, quote, come over and put some oomph on me, unquote. Though the oomph girl title did put the glamour girl label on Anne and made it difficult for her to find more serious film roles, all the publicity and increased popularity from the campaign also put Anne in a position to bargain for better films. Once she became the oomph girl, Anne's fan mail skyrocketed and she received the third highest of any star at the studio. Here's another little known Anne Sheridan fact. She sang. Though Anne is best known for playing sultry, wisecracking sirens, she also sang. As a student at North Texas State, Anne sang with the school's band. Warner Brothers would make use of Anne's unusual singing voice in such films as 1937's San Quentin and 1940's It All Came True. Modest as she was, Anne would insist that, quote, nobody can teach me to sing. I haven't got that kind of voice. It's kind of an odd voice. It's just somebody teaching you how to sell a song. It's really not singing. To make me a singer would be absolutely impossible." Unquote. Anne's opinion aside, her singing is unique, soulful, and as you'd probably expect, sultry. It's one of a kind and all her own. While many actresses would have their singing dubbed anytime it was required, Anne would do her own singing in all her films with the exception of 1940's Shine on Harvest Moon and one number in 1939's Naughty But Nice. Another really admirable fact about Anne Sheridan is that she fought Warner Brothers for better roles. Fellow Warner Brothers star Paul Muni encouraged Anne to make the Oomph Girl title work for her, and she did. Anne used her new bargaining power and asked Warner Brothers for a raise in addition to better film roles. When the studio refused both requests, Anne went on an eight-month suspension. Though she wouldn't get the raise she asked for, at the end of her suspension, Anne was given the film role she asked for, which Goodfriend and Humphrey Bogart tipped her off to, that of Randy and King's Row, the film that would really demonstrate just how underutilized Anne's acting talents were. When Warner Brothers once again deluged Anne with a slew of terrible film roles, she again went on suspension in December of 1944. 
this time for 18 months. Anne knew she deserved better and was willing to go on suspension to gain the respect, roles, and salary she deserved. One of my favorite Anne Sheridan facts is that she entertained the troops overseas. In the summer of 1944, Anne entertained the troops in China, Burma, and India for eight weeks with the USO. She took the advice of Bob Hope before leaving and made sure that the majority of her time overseas was spent with the GIs and not just the officers. As Anne would share in 1965, quote, Bob Hope told me before we left not to let the officers occupy all our time, that the GIs were the ones we were going to entertain. You can't imagine the arguments we got into with the officers. All those dull, stupid pink teas with the officers' wives. The minute they demanded that we go, we wouldn't. We all stuck together on that. We went to entertain the GIs." Unquote. I love that Anne felt so strongly about her duty to entertain and boost the morale of the troops and not just enjoy tea time with the officers and their wives. Another Anne Sheridan fact is that she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. When recounting her early years in Hollywood, Anne Sheridan would describe herself as, quote, pudgy fat with kinky hair and a space between my teeth, unquote. It's hard to imagine Anne as anything but the svelte woman she would be during her years of stardom. So it's interesting to contrast Anne's words with those of James Cagney, who observed on the set of Angels with Dirty Faces in 1938 that Anne, quote, was a lovely, talented gal, so much to offer, and a three-pack-a-day smoker. She just didn't eat because the cigarettes killed her appetite. Years later, when the lung cancer hit, she didn't have much of a chance, and what a powerful shame it was. A mighty nice gal, Annie. Unquote. Anne would die tragically young at age 51 in 1967 from cancer. As Cagney infers, years of heavy smoking and respiratory problems combined to take Anne from the world much too soon. Anne was such a trooper, however, that right up until the end, she continued filming her television show, Pistols and Petticoats. Anne kept her illness a secret from the cast and crew out of fear that if her poor health was known, the show would be canceled and many would lose their jobs. Anne selflessly succeeded in filming 25 of the 26 episodes in the season before passing. This is an obvious Anne Sheridan fact, but I'm going to share it anyway. She was a fashion plate. If you've seen a single photo of Anne Sheridan, it's obvious she had impeccable fashion sense and knew how to wear clothes. As a fashion lover myself, I always love watching Anne's entrances in her films particularly of the 1940s, to see what stunning creation she'll make even more stunning with her confidence and carriage. I'll cover this more next week in my podcast on Nora Prentice, and at the end of the month in my fashion tribute to Billy Travilla, but Anne's keen eye for fashion is what gave Billy Travilla his start in films. The legendary designer would become most famous for the flawless gowns he created for Marilyn Monroe, but Travilla's success in Hollywood can all be traced back to Anne. And if photos and the Travilla connection aren't enough to prove Anne's sense of style, she was named the best-dressed woman in motion pictures by New York's Fashion Academy in 1945 and would serve on Modern Screen Magazine's fashion board in the 1950s. Two more obscure Anne Sheridan facts are that she loved poodles and Mexico. 
Anne would actually breed poodles during the 1950s with her veterinarian, but had such a hard time parting with the puppies, she stopped poodle breeding in 1959. Anne's love of Mexico started in her Texas childhood when she learned to speak Spanish. Throughout her years in Hollywood, Anne would say she'd love to mostly leave her career behind and move to Mexico City. Staying true to her word, Anne did move to Mexico City and lived there from 1953 to 1956 after the passing of her longtime boyfriend, publicist Steve Hannigan. My other favorite Anne Sheridan fact is that she had no ego. It's clear from the way Anne responded to all the publicity and compliments she got for her beauty that the woman had zero ego. Anne would insist in a 1965 interview, when asked about her success in the search for beauty contest that led to her Hollywood career, that, quote, I didn't, and still don't, think I was good-looking enough, unquote. Anne's lack of ego is further driven home by her comments about winning the Oomph Girl title, quote, Simply another publicity stunt. Nothing special. My lord, they took the back of Hedy Lamar's head and the backs of whoever else's heads they entered in the contest. Of course, it was all a setup to pick me. They could never have had a good picture of Hedy Lamar and said that I was more glamorous than she was, unquote. I just love how humorous, humble, and unaffected Anne was by her beauty and glamour. Another fun Anne Sheridan fact is that she was in a soap opera. Anne would say towards the end of her career that, quote, I love those corny things. I'm crazy about soap operas. I adore them, unquote. In the fall of 1965, Anne became one of the very first Hollywood stars to appear in a soap opera and starred in another world beginning a trend that other stars would soon follow. And my last Anne Sheridan fact for you today, she's a murder mystery heroine. In 1943, Whitman Publishing Company published a series of mystery books using favorite female stars as the protagonists. Anne Sheridan was one of those stars. The title of Anne's murder mystery? I'll let her tell you in her own words. Quote, Anne Sheridan and the Sign of the Sphinx, I'll have you know. I've got a copy that they sent me, but I haven't had nerve enough to read it. Anne Sheridan and the Sign of the Sphinx. Maybe we could make that into a soap opera." Unquote. My personal take on Anne Sheridan and the Sign of the Sphinx, it's really cute and reads like a Nancy Drew mystery novel, but with Anne as the heroine, wisecracking such sassy lines as, you try jumping off a burning sphinx into a mystic pool. <laughs> How could that not be a fun read? The book was meant to help boost morale and participation on the home front during the war years, so it's a great compliment to Anne and evidence of her great popularity and influencer status that she was one of the stars selected to have a murder mystery book in the series written about her. And that's my introduction to our June star of the month, Anne Sheridan. For delicious recipes and all things classic Hollywood, visit my website, macaronsandmimi.com. And be sure to catch Anne's films that will play Tuesdays on Turner Classic Movies this month. And don't forget to join me next week as I review 1947's Nora Prentice, one of the most fascinating and definitely most fashionable films of Anne's career. <laughs>